Larry Woodard and welcome to Admire. My next guest has more labels than an upscale department store. First generation Nigerian American, high school and college football player, track athlete, military academy graduate, naval officer, entrepreneur, and NASCAR driver. Jesse Awuji, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, We have a lot to cover, not nearly enough time to cover it. But I wanted to start with your upbringing. Tell us about your parents, your childhood, and how you came to have such drive and determination. Yeah, so um, my parents, definitely people that I can um, thank for that, for sure. Also God, also, because we're a faith-based family. But um, both of my parents are originally from Nigeria. They both immigrated um, to the U.S. back in the 80s. And, you know, when my dad came from Nigeria before he left, his dad, my granddad, told him, he's like, hey, son, um, when you go over to America, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. So it would be an absolute shame, an ex- absolute embarrassment if you don't succeed. So my dad was like, Roger that. <laughs> I guess I do succeed there. So when he came here, <clears throat> he had that level of determination that, hey, I cannot, I can't shame my family. I have to come out here, take advantage of every opportunity available and, and, and do something in life. So he got his education here. He went back to Nigeria, married my mom brought her back here. And then, you know, she also had a drive within herself because she was used to working hard when she was 11 years old, coming back from elementary school and middle school, she would have to go to the river, fetch water, bring it back home for the family just so they could have, mm-hmm. you know, cooking water, drinking water and all that stuff at 11 years old. Wow. And this river wasn't just a little stream. I mean, this is a river where you get caught at the wrong place, wrong time. Uh, you're either eat, getting eaten by a snake or something else. So um, it, 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 that's the life that they live. But um, that's what kind of uh, that was their beginning. So when they came over here to the U.S., they're like, "This is this is this is where you can c- come succeed. There's so much opportunity. Why can't you? You know, you don't have to go fetch water out of the river to live here. Like you can you have drinking water that comes out of out of a faucet. So you know, through that, they grinded really hard to to, make, to get themselves to where they got themselves to. My mom eventually became a nurse and a business owner. My dad was a, a media specialist uh, guy and also had his own businesses on the side. And through me seeing all that hard work that they had um, put in to, to, to get to where they wanted to get to and, and get the things that they wanted to get and, and raise us four kids, that's where I really learned that, that level of hard work and how to maximize your time, how to um, not make excuses. You know, my parents, they, they, they didn't talk a lot to us. They just showed us. They're like, hey, we're going to mm-hmm. show you what hard work is through all the time we're putting in. And then you'll see the fruits of our labor. When you see it, you'll understand you know, when A, A plus B equals C. Yeah. So in the Wuji household growing up, um, was it, uh, you know, did you have Nigerian traditions, American traditions? Was there a tension with you kids? How did that happen? Yeah. So in our household, um, we had both American and um, Nigerian traditions. You know, obviously being raised here in America, you know, we were doing all the regular American stuff. We, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Um, you know, all, all the traditional holidays and things like that, you know, how we celebrate birthdays here, all those different things we're doing here. A, a lot of the little stuff, um, it took a lot of getting used to for my parents, you know, like for us, um, you know, most kids here when they're little kids, you know, them and their friends, they have sleepovers, right. but we aren't really allowed to have sleepovers <laughs> or go over sleep in anybody else's house because, you know, my parents, you know, they, they see the news and they see the craziness that happens on news, kids getting kidnapped, things like that. And then they're like, oh, my God, is that like every American? You know, we can't let you go sleep over at anyone else's house. So, I mean, but, but that's, that's foreigners coming over here. You know, sometimes they just don't understand because all they, see, all they know is what they see on the news. You know, and sometimes the news, actually not sometimes, all the time the news likes to put out really bad negative stuff. 
so um uh it, it took a lot of getting used to for our parents to really really truly assimilate to the american culture but i'm glad they didn't that first i'm glad they were as strict as they were when we were younger because that allowed us to stay focused and and stay on our grind so that we could make it in life too um i wouldn't change it for the world like if i could go back i would not make them less strict i wouldn't let i wouldn't you know have them let us play outside more often like i would you know as strict as they were that that really got us on the right path and kept us out of trouble and kept us away from the wrong people and was you know essentially allowed us to get to where we're at right now yeah i, I fully understand that uh, i i come from a military background I, I grew up traveling around the world my dad made a career out of the air force my older brother went into the air force my younger brother went to suny maritime both my sisters married servicemen service for us is truly a family business uh, as the son of nigerian Im- immigrants rather uh, what was your path to the naval academy my path to the Naval Academy was um, really through football. So growing up in Dallas, Texas, anyone who knows anything about Texas, they know that uh, football is the king in the state. Like football is it, that's it, end all be all. It's just a football state. So growing up, you know, all I saw was football. And when I was in middle school and high school, I played football. And I had a goal. I set a goal in ninth grade. set a goal to be able to go off to college and play college football. Mm-hmm. So um, throughout high school, I worked really, really hard to actually put myself in a position to even get recruited because when I first started playing football, I really wasn't that good at all. I didn't have a lot of experience in it. I never played little league football. My parents Mm -hmm. never had time to let us play any little league sports. So um, when my first time playing football was really when school sports allowed you to. So I was really behind the curve, um, whereas a lot of my friends have been playing since they're five, six, seven, eight years old. So um, I had to learn a lot and um, it wasn't good at all at first, but through a lot of hard work and grind, I eventually surpassed the talented people who had natural talent or whatever you want to call it. And by senior year, I was the one who actually was starting on varsity, uh, playing wide receiver and outside mm-hmm. linebacker. And I eventually got recruited by the Naval Academy. And um, they gave me the opportunity to come to their you know wonderful school, get a great education, um, play college football for a team that was winning a lot of games and going to bowl games. Mm-hmm. And then also the great thing about the Naval Academy is when you graduate, you pretty much, you got a career started for you as an officer in the United States Navy or Marine Corps. So um, that was just a, a, just a great opportunity for me to go to a great place and be able to knock all that out and um, set myself up for life. And I'm, I'm so happy I was able to make that happen. That, that, that's a great story. Uh, I researched that you served on both the Exultant and the USS Comstock. For the benefit of our listeners, the Exultant is a mine countermeasure ship and the USS Comstock does search and rescue and launches Marines for various maneuvers. That's exciting stuff and enough speed and danger and excitement for a lifetime for most people. Yet, you became a race car driver. How and why? Yeah, so on uh, going from driving ships to racing cars. So I have always had a passion for cars and racing ever since I was a little kid. Um, as early as I can remember, I used to watch the show Night Rider. Love the show Night Rider with uh, David Hasselhoff yeah. um, and the talking car. Loved it. And then from there, there was another show after that called Viper, a very very kind of similar type show. I used to watch Speed Racer, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just and then I would watch NASCAR every once in a while. And I I, I watched all this because I loved cars, I loved racing. Never thought that I would be doing it ever. I just liked it. And then when I got off to college. Um, at, at that point, I started really uh, putting more effort in learning about cars, learning about all the mechanics about cars, from the motors all the way back to the differential, <clears throat> rear end gears, everything. So I started learning about that just because I liked it. And then when I graduated from college, graduated from the Naval Academy, you know, I, I became an officer in the Navy. At this point, I was finally getting paid. 
Um, and I had extra money, so I bought some cool sports cars. Um, first one was a Dodge Challenger. Mm-hmm. The next one, a few years after that, was a Corvette Z06. And uh, with these cars, I would take them to local tracks near me. I would go to drag strips. I would go to uh, road course tracks. And I would just go to do track days at these um, particular tracks. And as I was doing, the, especially on the road courses, as I was doing a lot of track days, I was noticing that, you know, each time I went, I was always like in the top five, top 10 fastest people there. And there was usually about anywhere between, you know, 75 to 100 plus um, people um, at the track that day. So I was like, man, you know, I think I have a little bit of skill in this. Why not try to take this to another level? Why not try to become a professional race car driver? I'm like, what's stopping me? You know, there's like no rules or regulations saying that I can't. So why not? And I just made a decision one night. I was sitting in my room. It was January 2014 took my whiteboard off my wall, erased whatever was on it, and wrote one big goal, become a professional race car driver. And that is where my journey began. And 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 the craziness from there to try to make this whole thing happen while still serving in the United States Navy as an officer. That's a that, that's fascinating. I mean, to, to unpack that would be another show. And I'm, I'm going to put that to the side because I'd love to do that. At some point, you become part of NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. What's that program and how did you get involved? Well, <laughs> interesting enough, for the Drive for Diversity program, I actually was never in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done things to help out with the Drive for Diversity program, a lot of different things over the years. I've been part of a lot of different, um, uh, um, uh, I would say, um, community outreach type things that they've done, um, especially back in 20, 2016, 2017. I did a lot, um, maybe a little bit in 2018. But, um uh, yeah, I've, I've helped out a lot on like ancillary stuff that they've done. But as far as um, being in the program, I've never actually been in the program. When I first started racing in 2015, um, I was 26, I believe, um, 26 or I'm going into 27, something like that. And whatever age I was, um, I was like a year too old um, mm-hmm. for their program. So I, I remember trying to um, submit, uh, submit a package to be in the program. And they denied it because they said, hey, you're like a year too old. And I was like, well, you know, I know all these other kids who are younger are jumping in, but I had to go do something a bit important and that served the country and go on deployment. Um, Can you cut me a break, please? And they couldn't. So, and I was fine. It's whatever. That's their rules. Cool. But I wasn't going to let that deter me from achieving my dreams. I was like, hey, if if they're not going to make it happen, then I'm going to make it happen myself and no one's going to stop me. So um, that's what I did. I figured it out. I, I started my own business on the side to make extra money to help support my racing. I learned how to network. I learned marketing. I learned social media. I learned everything I needed to learn so that I could be able to put together partnerships so that I could build my business so I could make extra money to, to, to support my racing. I did all that like myself pretty much to make this whole thing happen. And then eventually a few years after you know really getting into this, this journey, I, I met my agent who I have now. Matt Casso, and he's been able to kind of really build the partnership side even bigger than what I could and um, really, really get this journey going all in the right direction. So um, it's been fun, not easy at all. I mean, every step of the way is a a true, true grind. Um, We haven't achieved everything we want to achieve yet, but we're slowly making it. But at the end of the day, it's just slow progress. Like some people will never understand. Some people think you're just supposed to just jump in and automatically be winning every race and doing this and that. And they just won't understand what I have to go through to get to where I'm at. But I understand because God gave me my vision and he told me exactly where I'm supposed to be and what's going to happen. So I know exactly how it's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen and what's going to happen. So um, I see it 
no one else needs to see it. That's okay. As long as I see it and believe it and have faith. I, I love the story even more now. You know, um, I sit on, on the board of the B Foundation with uh, David Robinson. Uh, and I know that they, both David and Roger um, had a similar path to yours where they had some naval service in between them and going to the pros. And uh, both of them, um, you know, arrived at the top as well. So that's something that you can point at. So you've competed in the truck series and also the Xfinity series. Uh, how's that going? And, and what are your aspirations? Yeah, the uh, the truck series and Xfinity series have been fun so far. Um, so far, I run just kind of part time mm-hmm. in both those series. Um, you know, obviously, as you know, funding is a big part of NASCAR. Sure so, or not even just NASCAR, motorsports in general. Uh, it, just, it costs money to race. You know. Uh, tires, people, race cars, transport, uh, travel, everything. It just costs money. So um, for us, you know, we've been able to uh, put together different sponsorships and stuff um, each year to uh, help out. But, you know, it's only been enough to run the amount of races that we've been able to run. Um, so uh, for, for me, I just my big goal in each one of the races that I, I am running, since I'm not running that many, um, is just learn as much as possible. You know, I don't have... I don't have time to go out there and just like be wrecking all the time or anything like that. So I really kind of got to <laughs> take it easy sometimes and really just work on, Hey, just finish the race, get all the laps in because that's the only way I'm going to learn mm-hmm. so that eventually when we have, you know, bigger partnerships, bigger funding, um, we're able to run the full season and I, and then I have more time to really go out there and push the edge, push the limit. But for right now, just focus on finishing because in order to eventually finish first, you must first finish. And, and that's been my kind of my sole goal every single race. I, I love the fact that, that you bought that up for, for our listeners. You know, um, I've uh, been, uh, as you know, on the board of uh, International Speedway Corporation and uh, have been very familiar with a number of drivers, including Bubba Wallace. And I'll never forget the first time he got into the number 43 in the, in the Cup Series. And uh, his one uh, uh, piece of instruction uh, from the team owners was, don't wreck our car. Right. Not place, <laughs> not win, not anything, but don't wreck our car. And uh, I, and I watch drivers go along that, that don't have, you know, the backup cars and, uh, you know, and, and all the money. And, and people don't understand how much that affects uh, whether they can place or, or win. Uh, and as it, you it say, affects it's, it's so much. Process. Yeah, it affects so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah, it's tough. People don't because it's not something that we go and just talk about all the time you know when people when we're in this, these kind of situations I'm, i don't just go on social media and just post hey guys like hey these are my marching orders right here mm-hmm. no like, i i don't like that's for me and my team and, and and us and that's it um but yeah people don't understand like yeah when you when you're told that hey like you know don't wreck don't cause an issue don't be an issue just finish you know because if you don't then we're going to demote you down to the next series like it, it makes it a little bit difficult to go out there and run well. Right. So, um, cause you got to take it easy, you know, and you, you gotta, you gotta give a lot more room. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You can't really take any chances. You know, you don't really battle with anybody. You just kind of go run your own race, yep. um, which is, you know, good for learning, but you know, eventually one day you got to be able to let loose so that you can actually race and show what you got. That That's exactly right. Uh, this year, uh, NASCAR was thrust into the limelight and Bubba Wallace, the only black driver in the cup series, Driving the iconic number 43 gained international attention around Black Lives Matters, Confederate flag, and the infamous noose incident. You were also very visible on the air and on the track. Uh, what was your experience like this year, and how do you think NASCAR is doing as a sport with inclusion and diversity? 
Yeah, this year was uh, it was an interesting year. Um, you, <laughs> you definitely got to see the true colors of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I I gained some fans and lost some fans. Um, and I, the ones I lost, I'm glad I lost them because this year was one of those years where um, people who had racist type minds were exposed because they felt comfortable enough to come out, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, can you can look at it in a good way or you can look at it in a bad way. But um, for me, looking at the positive, it allowed them to get exposed. And people, also people who weren't racist, um, uh, felt more confident this year in exposing those types of people, whereas before people would just, you know, turn, you know, just turn their head and just keep walking. This year, people were like, no, I'm just, I'm going to call you out on it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, you're you're being racist, you're being wrong, you're getting called out. And, and that was great because then, you know, that helped people know that, okay, here's the goods and here's the bads, and now we know. <laughs> so there was no more secrets. So that was a good thing. Um, but as far as, yeah, all the um, different, like, social injustice stuff going on, yeah, my, my main message this year was a message of unity. You know, I, I, everything I put out this year was a positive message of unity just to, just to let people know that in this country, you know, we were – there's a there's an America we were that was meant to be like there's America we were supposed to be and we haven't fully achieved that yet. Not that we can't, we definitely can, but we have to come together. So my message was, uh, united will rise, but divided will fall. So we have to unite because there's powers out there, there's people out there who who just want division, who want chaos, who who just want to see the world burn, and we can't let that happen. We have to come together. When people come together. And we stand strong. We are ridiculously powerful, especially when our minds are all going in the same direction. There's nothing, there's no force powerful and more powerful than that than, than God. And <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, that, um, yeah, that, that's excellent. You know, you've been embraced mm-hmm. by the media, supported by the military, embraced by the fans. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that has been because of the way that you've, you've approached um, not just racing, but life. Uh, you've had several big announcements this year concerning new sponsors and partners. Tell us a little bit about that. This year, yeah, we've had um, a lot of different ones. Every year, we've really had different partners jump on board from different industries um, to help support this journey and also be able to utilize my platform and everything I'm doing and the spotlight I've been able to get in the media and on social media and all of that. And they've been able to use that to um, help out with their marketing efforts on whatever message they're trying to send. Um, to consumers out there, um, potential customers. So this year we've had, you know, True Car uh, and True Car Military uh, jump on board recently. That, that has been a, a really, really great partnership so far, even though we do a lot of great things. Like even last week we did a, a, a giveaway with a vehicle to a, um, to a disabled vet. And um, she just, uh, it was just a super emotional and just cool experience to be able yeah. to do that in, that in Phoenix awesome. right after awesome. the race. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. I was like, man, this is, I mean, I knew it was going to be cool, but just being there, uh, it was it was just way more than what I thought it was going to be. It was awesome. Um, you know, we, uh, prior to that, we linked up with uh, Emmett Smith mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the company that he, he co-founded, um, uh, Notable Live. And um, I'm also a partner in that small, small partner in that company. And um, being able to do something with him for the Texas race was really awesome. I never got to meet the man before and finally got to meet the legend, the guy I used to watch play for the Cowboys while they were winning Super Bowls all through the 90s, three to be exact. <laughs> and uh, it was great partnering up with him for that race and doing that. And, and, you know, hopefully more things come down the line with that. Um, you know, the, you, I know you've been seeing everything going on with the Michael Jordan uh, situation now coming into NASCAR, bringing new faces for ownership. So 
Um, I, I, I feel like the ownership in NASCAR, as far as um, on the team side, is going to diversify even more over the next few years. So um, stay tuned. <laughs> right, right. Uh, for baby boomers, you know, like me, 1968 was uh, our seminal year. It was characterized by huge shifts in American politics, social movements, global relations, cultural icons. You know, Time magazine wrote that um, that we had collectively gone crazy. I mean, you had the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. It was just a really crazy year. 2020 has been one of those years. Yet every time I bump into you or read your social media or see you in the media, you're positive. Doing positive things, spreading your infectious brand of optimism, got your million-dollar smile on. Uh, what can you share with our listeners about how you manage to stay focused and in the moment when there's so much uncertainty? Yeah, I, I learned about five years ago that um, with any setback, um, it's just a setup for phenomenal comebacks. And when I learned that, I, it basically taught me to smile in the face of adversity. You know, initially, just human human nature, if you hit any, any adversity, if anything bad happens, initially it's going to be a little bit of a shock. It might be a little bit painful. It might suck. You might get a little sad. You might get a little bit mad. Something. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be that initial reaction. But then I always found a way to stop for a second, see the big picture, and understand, okay, hey, if something bad's happening here, that means it's setting me up something good over here later. I don't know when that's going to happen. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. I don't know, but that's what it means. So as long as you continue to push forward, that bad will turn into a good. It's just, you have to keep pushing forward. So, so that's what I've recognized is, Hey, just throughout life, throughout this year, um, when, when the COVID situation uh, really began and we went into the whole pandemic and we had to quarantine and everything we had to do in this country, my whole, uh, my whole, thought process through this whole thing was win the wait. While everyone's sitting at home waiting for this whole thing to be over, you have to win the wait. Get ahead. Find ways to be ahead. I wanted to be the person where at the end of this whole pandemic, at the end of the quarantine, at the end of all of it, I was going to be sky high flying, machine gun shooting, like just like I'm killing it, you know? Whereas, you know, a lot of people will be kind of coming up to the surface from, you know, underground, peeking, you know, just looking around saying, hey, is it over yet? Like, I want to be already flying, like, already moving on to the next mission. Like, th that's what I wanted to be like. And, and that's what my whole thought process has been this whole year. So that's why I've been able to stay positive. Because positive energy is way better than negative energy. And negative energy is easy. It's really easy to fall into negativity. But positive energy is a little bit tougher, but it does so much more good. And it keeps, you, it keeps your mindset moving forward towards the next and the next and the next thing. That's um uh, that's excellent and and it is funny because it seems like um you know, like the whole world is split into two camps. You know, you talk to some people and they say, "Oh man, there's no way to work out. I've gained 15, 20 pounds." And the other guys are like, "You know, I'm walking around the house. I'm lifting rocks. I'm you know, mm -hmm. just, I, I'm in my neighborhood. You know, I, I'm carrying my kid on my back. You know, I'm doing push-ups with my kids. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's in every single aspect of it, you know, guys with businesses who think that their business has gone away and people who pivoted and they're into brand new businesses and they're doing better than they ever have before. And every other call from me seems to be like that. A guy saying, oh, no, woe is me. And another guy saying, wow, man, I never thought of this. I'm spending more time with my wife, with my kids. My business is doing doing great. You know, so so I totally agree with you. This is one of those viewpoint things. And it also is about what you can internalize. You know, there, if you don't have it in you, you can't get it out of you. 
true, true. That's very true. You definitely got to be able to internalize a lot because things happen, but it's all about staying strong enough, long enough. I always tell people that, you know, life rewards those who stay strong enough, long enough. If you quit, you'll never know what was going to happen at the end. Like life wants to reward us all. Life wants to give us what we are trying to go after and achieve. But the, 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 the pathway, that whole tunnel on the way there isn't guaranteed on how long it is. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's a really long wait. But at the very end, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a dead-end tunnel. Mm-hmm. So with it being uh, not a dead-end tunnel, even though you can't see the light, that's where the faith comes in because now you're walking in darkness. you got to have faith that that light will eventually come. And when you do, when you keep pushing forward, you stay strong enough, long enough, you'll make it happen. You'll see the light. You'll get there, and you'll achieve whatever you wanted to achieve. you just got to win the wait. That's very cool. Uh, I, I knew this time would go fast, and it has. Uh, look, I look uh, very much forward to seeing you uh, back out on the track, uh, and I'd love for you to come back on the show. Uh, do you have any final words for our listeners? Yeah, final words for listeners. Um, I would say uh, anyone out there trying to go after any goals and any dreams, um, you know, there's always going to be people around you. Sometimes it's even family, friends, spouse, who, who, you name it. Um, but there's some people who won't be able to see that goal for you. Like you were only the person given that vision. Um, no one else was given the vision. So just because they can't see it and they don't understand it and they're not really supporting you on it doesn't mean it's not meant to be like you were given that vision. So never let anyone's opinion of you become your reality. It's something I heard from Les Brown. They stayed with me for, for a long time now. Never let someone's opinion of you become your reality. You go after what you want to go after because you saw it. It's in your head. You know exactly what's supposed to happen. Keep pushing. Stay strong enough, long enough. Never let anyone sway you away. And just stay on that path. Keep grinding. And I promise you, you will make it to the end. Um, Just do not quit. That's the only thing. Don't quit. Thank you. Uh, My guest has been Naval Officer, Entrepreneur, and NASCAR Driver, Jesse Awuchi. I'm Larry Woodard. This is Admire.